Welcome to our class today. We are studying the Doctrine and Covenants, the Third Testament of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Second Testimony or Testament of the Divine Prophetic Calling of the Prophet Joseph Smith. I'm your instructor today, Dr. D. Todd Harrison, as we feast upon the words of Jesus Christ. And of that same Jesus Christ, I testify that I know him, he knows me, and of him I testify to you. He lives today. He is the Son of our Heavenly Father. They both sit enthroned in majesty and glory and dominion over all the angels, over all the worlds, without number. I testify that He is our Lord, our God, and our King, that through His atoning death and sacrifice, through the suffering in the Garden of Gethsemane and upon the cross of Calvary, all mankind have the opportunity to repent of their sins, embrace Him, and come back to His a kingdom and live with our Heavenly Father forever and ever once we depart from this life. We're studying today the uh, Doctrine and Covenants, another testament of uh, Jesus Christ, the third testament of Jesus Christ. And I testify that uh, uh, the prophet, again, this divine uh, the, the, the book of Doctrine and Covenants, uh, confirms and testifies to the prophetic calling of the prophet Joseph Smith. Here we have revelations that the prophet received from the Lord Jesus Christ, so we can study and see how God communicates with his prophet. We've seen God himself multiple times already testify that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the only true and living church upon the face of the earth. We've seen the Lord testify himself that all other churches are an abomination in his sight, and he's given the opportunities to change course, change the direction of your lives, and embrace him and come unto him and come unto his church so you can become a Christian and to take upon yourselves the name of Jesus Christ. And then as you do so, he then gives you a second name, that of a Latter-day Saint, as you inherit to his kingdom upon the earth as it continues to grow in the fulfillment of the prophecy in the book of Daniel. Uh, this week we're looking at section 6 through 9. These were revelations given while Oliver Cowdery was helping Joseph Smith in the translation of the Book of Mormon, another testament of Jesus Christ, the second testament of Jesus Christ, and the first testament to the divine prophetic calling of the prophet Joseph Smith. In the Book of Mormon, we studied last year, and we studied and saw how God used Joseph Smith in his role as prophet translator. Here in the Book of the Revela of the Doctrine and Covenants, we see how God used the prophet Joseph Smith as his prophet, seer, and the uh, revelator as he's received revelation uh, from God in these verses. So section six is a revelation given to Oliver Cowdery, who was a school teacher. He had lived with, uh, for a short period of time, with Joseph Smith's uh, family and parents when Joseph Smith was living in Harmony, uh, Pennsylvania. They'd already told him about the, uh, about the golden plates and upon and about uh, angels and the visions and revelations that Joseph had had. Oliver Cowdery wanted to then seek out and help Joseph Smith with his uh, prophetic calling. And uh, so he starts to become the scribe to the prophet as uh, Joseph Smith would translate and Oliver Cowdery would write down the words. So here we receive a revelation in chapter six uh, given to Oliver Cowdery. And uh, we'll look at uh, verse one. And once again, God bearing his own testimony. Here, a great and marvelous work is about to come forth unto the children of man, the restoration of the gospel, 
this is 1829, April of 1829, and just one year from then, he says about to come forth, one year from then, the church will be restored upon the earth. That God himself brought back the New Testament church, the church that Jesus Christ had established when he was upon the earth, brought it back, he brought back the priesthood keys in order to grow again that church so that the true Christian church, Christianity was restored to the earth after an absence of 2,000 years, so once again on April 6th, 1830. Whenever they quote the Isaiah, Isaiah here with this great Morris work, we're referring to the restoration of the gospel. So great Morris work is about to come forth unto the children of man. Then he says in verse 3 and 4, Behold, the, white, the, the field is white already to harvest. It prepared, been preparing for nearly 2,000 years, the hearts and souls of many people who would come forward and, and embrace the gospel, embrace Jesus Christ, and become Christians taken upon them the name of Jesus Christ. Behold, the, white, the field is white already to harvest. Therefore, whoso desireth to reap, let him thrust in his sickle with his might, and reap while the day lasts, that he may treasure up for his soul everlasting salvation in the kingdom of God. We're seeing this multiple times here in the early chapters uh, of the uh, Doctrine and Covenants, where the focus here is God's trying to tell you the great rewards that can be yours as you become a missionary for the church and, and serve, you know, time, you know, laboring for, for God that, you know, you are securing yourself with salvation, he says here, right? That uh, you'll treasure up for your soul everlasting salvation in the kingdom of God. Yea, whosoever will thrust in his sickle and reap, the same is called of God. Let's look now at uh, verse 7. Seek not for riches. So he's telling Oliver Cattery, seek not for riches, but for wisdom. And behold, the mysteries of God shall be unfolded unto you, and then shall ye be made rich. Behold, he that hath eternal life is rich. You inherit all things that God hath. You inherit the principalities and thrones and kingdoms. You are <laughs> richer than anybody upon the face of the earth. And that is true, that rich, he says, riches here, he says. So don't seek for riches here while you're living on the earth. Seek for wisdom and to learn the things of God, to learn to walk in his paths, and you will become rich as you inherit eternal life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, even as you desire me, so shall it be unto you. And if you desire, you shall be the means of doing much good in this generation. So if you desire to do good, God will bless you to be able to bring it to pass much good upon the earth. In verse 11, And if thou wilt inquire, thou shalt know mysteries, which are great and marvelous. All you have to do is ask. Therefore thou shalt exercise thy gift, and his gift is what? That he can receive revelation. That is a gift from God, to be able to receive revelation. It says that that's your gift, that thou mayest find out mysteries that thou mayest bring many to the knowledge of the truth. I mean, don't just seek for to know mysteries and have wisdom. If you don't do anything with it, just to hoard the knowledge to yourself, God wants to give you revelation, but then he wants you to use that revelation to go out and help others. Yea, to, uh, uh, to the, convince them of the error of their ways. It's just not enough to bring the knowledge of the truth to people, but you got to convince them and show them the error of their ways. We saw that in the first vision with, with God and Jesus Christ appearing to the prophet Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith just wanted to know what? 
which church was true? Uh, which church should I, Joseph Smith, join? God could have just uh, you know, answered and, and said none of them, but what did he say? To convince them of the error of their ways. So God didn't just say, join none of the churches and, and left it at that. He said, join none of the, those churches, for they are what? They are an abomination in his sight, that the creeds and the professors are corrupt, their leaders and, and, and teachers are corrupt, and that they teach the uh, doctrines of man and with their lips, they uh, they honor Jesus, but their hearts are far from Jesus, and they're an abomination in his sight. So not only did God bring the knowledge of the truth to Joseph Smith through this revelation of the first vision, but that to convince him of the error of their ways. And so that's how God wanted it to be done, and how Jesus Christ did it. When you read the New Testament, that's how Jesus always taught. You know, he you know he taught to offend. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you you would hear him, and you had to make two decisions. There was no neutral person who heard Jesus Christ preach. The moment Jesus Christ preached, you either accepted what he said and and joined and became one of his followers, or you wanted to kill him. Uh, there's the two options because he he taught the truth and he taught it with power and authority, but then he convinced them of the errors of their ways, and he called them names. He called them vicious, horrible names to those who were false corruptors of, of the truth. You know, he, he called them out. He, you know, tried to convince them of the error of their ways while teaching the truth. And as a result, he had many join him and others that, you know, wanted to kill him. Okay, so then here in the next verse, we'll look at 13. If thou wilt do good, yea, and hold out faithful to the end, thou shalt be saved in the kingdom of God, which is the greatest of all the kiss of God. Remember, you just said here that, you know, he that hath eternal life is rich. So here he's saying, yes, yeah, the greatest gift of all the gifts of God to give somebody, you know, the uh, to be saved in the, in the kingdom of God, because then they'll be truly rich. For there is no gift greater than the gift of salvation. 14. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Blessed art thou for what thou hast done. For thou hast inquired of me, and behold, as often as thou hast inquired, thou hast received instruction of my spirit. Sometimes people think that they can only receive revelation occasionally, uh, every now and then. No. How often can you receive revelation from God? He says here, as often as thou hast inquired, thou hast received instruction of my spirit. So never doubt yourself and your ability to receive revelation. Never doubt God's ability to reveal and speak to you through the spirit of revelation. He will answer you through revelation every time you pray, if you so desire it, and come to him in faith, as he says here, every time, as often as thou hast inquired, thou hast received instruction of my spirit. Okay, so now let's look at 15. Behold, thou knowest that thou hast inquired of me, and I did enlighten thy mind. Oftentimes, revelation comes as an enlightenment uh, in, in your mind. He often will speak to you in your, in your mind and in your heart. And now I tell thee these things that thou mayest know that thou hast been enlightened by the Spirit of truth. 17. I tell thee these things as a witness unto thee, that the words or the work which thou hast been writing are true. So once again, God himself, bearing witness, bearing his testimony, 
that the Book of Mormon is true. He says that the things that you've been writing, as it, as the scribe, as as the prophet Joseph Smith telling you the words, you're writing it down. The things that you're writing are true. God Himself bearing testimony that the Book of Mormon is true. He's done it multiple times already in the Doctrine comes. He's doing it here again. Verse 20. Behold, thou art Oliver, and I have spoken unto thee because of thy desires. Therefore treasure up these words in thy heart. Be faithful and diligent in keeping the commandments of God, and I will encircle thee in the arms of my love. What a great promise that is, right? Just, to, you know, treasure up the words, you know, and keep his commandments, and he'll encircle you in the arms of his love. 22 and 23. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if you desire a further witness. Now watch this. This is great. So God revealing to the prophet Joseph Smith that there was a night uh, which Oliver cried in his heart to know if these things uh, are, are true. It says, verily, verily, I say unto you, if you desire a further witness, cast your mind upon the night that you cried unto me in your heart, that you might know concerning the truth of these things. Did I not speak peace to your mind concerning the matter? What greater witness can you have then from God? That's why Moroni in the chapter 10 said, go and ask God. After you've read the Book of Mormon, go and ask God if it's true. God wants to reveal these things to you because no greater witness can you have than to have God himself manifest and testify to your heart and to your soul that the things are true, that the scriptures are true, that the Book of Mormon is true, that Joseph Smith's a prophet of God, that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is God's true and only living church upon the face of the earth, as he also testified with his own words. So he'll testify to you and he'll reveal it to, uh, to you as well. Okay, now let's look here at the uh, uh, next verse here. We'll look at uh, 28. And now, behold, I give unto you and also unto my servant Joseph the keys of this gift. What keys again? We're talking about the keys of the gift of Revelation so they can translate the Book of Mormon. Which shall bring to light this ministry, and in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. We've looked at this multiple times in our videos here, that God's law was that no thing is, can be established to be the Word of God unless there's two or three witnesses. Therefore, the Bible is, it cannot just by, this, by itself claim to be the Word of God. It can only be the Word of God because you also have the Book of Mormon as a second witness and the Doctrine and Covenants as a third witness, all bearing testimony of the same Lord and God, Jesus Christ, and of teaching the same things, the same gospel, the same teachings and instruction of Jesus Christ. Therefore, by the establishment of the coming forth of the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants, we have the three witnesses to know that these things are indeed true and that the Bible is the Word of God. Now let's look at 32. Verily, verily, I say unto you, as I said unto my disciples, where two or three are gathered together in my name, as touching one thing, behold, there will there will I be in the midst of them. Even so am I in the midst of you. Oliver Cowdery and Joseph Smith, you're together. You're, you're doing the things of God. I will be in your midst. A year from then, they'll have a few members of the church. Once again, God is in their midst because when you have two or three gathered in his name, God will be in their midst.
33. Fear not to do good, my sons, for whatsoever ye sow, that ye shall also reap. Therefore, if ye sow good, ye shall also reap good for your reward. Again, telling and testifying to you that he will reward you for doing good. And 36 to 37. Look unto me in every thought. Doubt not, fear not. Behold the wounds which pierced my side, and also the prints of the nails in my hands and feet. Be faithful, keep my commandments, and ye shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. Amen. That's all there is to it. You know, just, you know, remember Jesus Christ, keep his commandments, and ye shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. In the next uh, section here, section 7, is about the book of uh, John. The end of John chapter 21, you know, they, they have this, you know, brief verse here about that uh, Peter asked God, uh, Jesus Christ, the resurrected Jesus Christ, uh, you know, well, you know, you know, they're trying to figure out about John, whether John's going to live forever on the earth or, or, or not, and, and, the, and you get this uh, later editor of the Gospel of John coming in, and they don't, you know, John's now left their midst, and so they're trying to say, well, he didn't necessarily say that John would live forever. He just simply asked Peter if it will that I. If, if, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to you, Peter? Well, here in section 7, we learned that no, the, the prophecy really was and the, uh, that, uh, John, that uh, John would uh, live upon the earth and continue to preach the gospel until Jesus Christ uh, came back. And that, that was a great work, a greater work among men to, to, to do that. So John continues to labor and minister and teach and testify of the Lord Jesus Christ as one of Jesus Christ's uh, original 12 apostles. Section 8, uh, this is now a revelation given to Joseph Smith the prophet, to uh, uh, Oliver uh, Cowdery, and about, uh, about writing the, um, about wanting to be a, a translator here, and, uh, and we'll see that here in uh, verse, uh, in chapter 9 here as well. Uh, so section 8, we'll look at a couple of verses here, verses 1 through 4. Oliver Cowdery, verily, verily, I say unto you, that as surely as the Lord liveth, who is your Lord God and your Redeemer, even so surely shall you receive a knowledge of whatsoever things you shall ask in faith, with an honest heart, believing that you shall receive a knowledge concerning the engravings of old records, which are ancient, which contain those parts, of my scripture, which has been spoken by the manifestation of my spirit. Yea, behold, I will tell you in your mind and in your heart. How does revelation come? In your mind and in your heart. By the Holy Ghost, which shall come upon you and which shall dwell in your heart. Now behold, this is the spirit of revelation. Behold, this is the spirit by which Moses brought the children of Israel through the Red Sea on dry ground. How did Moses lead the Israelites out of Egypt and, and into the wilderness through revelation into his mind and into his heart through the Holy Ghost. Therefore, this is thy gift, the gift of revelation. Apply unto it, and blessed art thou, for it shall deliver you out of the hands of your enemies, when, if it were not so, they would slay you and bring your soul to destruction. And then in verse 11, Ask that ye may know the mysteries of God. So again, he comes right back to that, right? 
and that you may translate and receive knowledge from all those ancient records which have been hid up that are sacred. And according to your faith, so shall it be done unto you. And so now in chapter 9, he starts to uh, translate. He wants to translate. God's given him the opportunity to translate. He, uh, you know, he, he doesn't do a good job here. And uh, so they received this revelation in response. And in 6 through 11, so section 9, 6 through 11, Do not murmur, my son Oliver, for it is wisdom in me that I've dealt with you after this manner. Behold, you have not understood. You have supposed that I would give it unto you when you took no save, no thought, save it was to ask me. So Oliver, when he went to translate, he just thought he needed to just ask God and God would just easily give him the revelation. That's not how God works. The way that God works is the following. But behold, I say unto you that you must study it out in your own mind. And then you must ask me if it be right. And if it is right, I will cause that your bosom shall burn within you. Therefore, you shall feel that it is right. So when you uh, confront decisions in life, God wants you to learn from them. So he wants you to study it out and study out the possibilities and the possible courses of action. And then ask God after you make the decision whether that's the right decision. If it's the right decision, he'll cause that your bosom shall burn within you. But if it's not the right thing when you go to ask God about it, in verse 9, but if it be not right, you shall have no such feelings, but you shall have a stupor of thought that shall cause you to forget the thing which is wrong. Therefore, you cannot write that which is sacred, save it be given you from me. So you'll forget as you're praying about the thing that you're asking for, and therefore you'll know that was not the right uh, uh, thing there. In uh, 10, he says, Now if you had known this, you could have translated. Nevertheless, it is not expedient that you translate now. You had an opportunity, it was the right time, but you blew it. Verse 11, behold, it was expedient when you commenced. It was okay to do it when, when, when you started to do it. But you feared, and the time is past, and it is not expedient now. So he's saying this, this you know, no, no longer, you know, you, you missed your opportunity. It kind of brings back the memory of uh, Peter. who sees Jesus walking on the water. Lord, if it's, uh, if it's you, let me come on the water too. He starts to walk on the water, realize what was going on he starts to sink well did did he have another opportunity is it recorded again that he walked on water a second time no that was his opportunity so when he started to sink jesus pulled him onto the boat and that was the last opportunity he had to walk on water the scriptures are clear they teach that today is the day of salvation not tomorrow not next week not next month today is that decision for many of you that are watching this for the first time you have that decision today. God has led you to this video so that you had the opportunity. You've heard the word of God. You've heard the voice of Jesus Christ preaching and teaching things of the kingdom, revealing through his prophet Joseph Smith. Now it's up to you. Will you now decide that you want to follow Jesus Christ, that you want to take upon yourselves the name of Jesus Christ, becoming a Christian, being baptized, by those who hold the priesthood and authority of God and to his church that he has declared here multiple times in the Doctrine and Covenants, the true church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He personally declared that that's the true and living church upon the, only, upon the earth, the only true and living church upon the face of the whole earth. 
and that all the others are abomination. Why would you want to remain in a church that Jesus Christ himself calls an abomination? It's up to you, you know, do you want to be fully blessed by God or do you want to be partially blessed? You know, do you want to have the fullness of joy and happiness and peace? Or do you want to have somewhat uh, joy, happiness, and peace? Some of you say, oh, well, do, you know, what will my relatives think if I join the church? What will my family think? Well, you know what Jesus said in Matthew 10, those who confess me before men, him or her will I confess before my Father in heaven. May it not be our goal to let God testify of us to his Father in heaven when we die and face God face to face and in the judgment. I testify that these things are true. I ask God to bless you. I will leave that in the description of this video, a link to click on, and you can talk to the missionaries, and they'll pray for you, and they'll pray with you, and they'll teach you the, the word of God, and they'll give you opportunity to be baptized and become a member of his, of his church and kingdom. I testify that these things we've studied are indeed true. Jesus Christ does live today. He does have prophets upon the earth. He's restored his gospel and all the priesthood keys and authorities upon the earth. We can all return now to live with our Heavenly Father through the ordinances of the gospel which have been restored. I love all of you. We pray for you every day. If there's anything we can do to, to help you in your life, feel free to reach out to us. We, we, we uh, Just send us a message on our uh, Facebook. And uh, we, until next time, we, we pray that God will bless you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.